Hey everybody, this is Eddie Dacius. We're here for another episode. This is our 42nd episode. We have a wonderful guest. His name is Mike Witter. He will tell us about him and the way we like to introduce our guests is to give them the platform, the mic, and they take us to a journey. But before we we get to Mike, uh, let's introduce our sponsor. We have Divine Purpose Podcast. We have Dasius Facility Management who sponsors in this episode. Do you want to maximize the value of your commercial property and achieve optimal productivity and efficiency in your day-to-day business operations? That's where Dacius Facilities Management can help. DFM offers Boston area businesses help in key areas like building and preventive maintenance, handyman services, project and vendor management, and even security consulting at competitive rates. Call Dacius Facilities Management now at 617-237-0106 or visit DaciusFM.com today. Yes, that's his SFM. Call them now, 617-237-0106. All right, like we said, we have a wonderful guest. His name is Mike Witter. Mike, how are you today? Good. How's it going, Eddie? Thanks for having me. Um, great. I'm great. So let's, um, we have Mike today. He's going to talk about himself. And let's start with the intro with Divine Purpose Podcast. Welcome to the Divine Purpose Podcast where we transport you along one of the more dynamic journeys of life. Have you ever been curious to know what it takes to become a successful leader? Or about knowing the secrets of life through the Bible? How about engaging in conversation where no topics are off limits? We will take you to new levels with guests who can help you grasp the importance of your calling. Now, here's your host, Eddie Dacius, founder of Dacius Facilities Management. We said we have Mike with us. Mike, what can you tell us about you today? Uh, well, I can say uh, I am a photographer. I'm uh, living in Boston and Dorchester in particular. And uh, I live with my wife and my two daughters. And we're in our uh, old home. We're always fixing up, which is a typical Boston story. Um, <laughs> but I finally this year got done with a long and painful renovation in the third floor attic and so i have um a studio space which can handle you know pretty good headshot size that kind of stuff um it it can accommodate uh a few people and it's nice to have it that capability now in home that i can just you know learn uh more lighting and uh, just mess around and experiment and um you know, have some space to keep organized because I've learned how important that is uh, throughout my career to just uh, keep everything where it should be, or at least try to. So, um, but yeah, so I, I, I live here in Boston. I work a lot with um, Boston clients and in my personal work, I have um, come to really focus on shooting um, stories about Boston and often Dorchester, in particular the Dorchester neighborhood where I live. Thank you for sharing. Uh, I, we had a, a guest um, a few few episodes back. He was talking. He was an engineer and he retired and he became a photographer. He's doing headshot. So, how did all started for you? 
so I, I took some classes in in um, in college, um, but I wouldn't say I graduated thinking I'd be a photographer. Um, I went into a, uh, my first job was at a photo lab, and then I went to a photo gallery, and um, and then I lost the photo gallery job. I actually was fired. <laughs> and um, wow, so to hear that. <laughs> well, you know what? It's um, it's okay. Um, it wasn't going to work out. <laughs> mm. um, the guy was a good guy. You know, he let me have uh, unemployment. We just didn't, okay. you know, things didn't work out. And honestly, I don't know if I would have started working for myself if I didn't get, you know, that um, jump start to it. So in a way, it, it was actually probably one of the better things that's happened to me in my life. It just took some time for it to pan out. Um, so that was when I was 25 and I was already moonlighting doing photography. And once I lost the job, I was like, well, I guess I'll do this, you know, and, and that's what I started to do. And I got enough of a footing once the unemployment had uh, run out, I had enough going on that I could, um, support, um, the lower, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I had less, less, less of a need back then, but I was okay. able to support myself. And, um, and then things kind of developed from there and I've always been kind of figuring out as I went, um, which, uh, anyway, so, uh, that's how I, I kind of dropped into what I do now. Um, okay. and I, I do love photography, but I feel like I've always been more of a social person, a community person. Um, mm. and I, and I like how that is able to be expressed through the photography. Um, Lots of photographers, or at least the stereotype of a photographer, is like an obsessive person with a camera always <laughs> shooting. And yeah. I'm definitely not that. I'm not that person. I like to take mm. breaks from the camera. I like to just observe and kind of mentally, you know, think about what I'm doing with the camera, but not, not, yeah, not always be shooting and uh, not do that. So I, I guess I'm definitely a photographer but i'm not exactly the uh you know maybe the classic type of photographer wow and, and thank you for sharing and you i have like three questions for you i'm maybe um hopefully i'm gonna remember them the first will be <laughs> how did everything study was it in high school when you started to have that feel and you say you were a community person social person you're always in the community when did you realize that, okay, this is what I like? So were you involved in sport? Can you take us to your high school and to college and why now? Yeah, um, yeah I did. I was on uh, the, the soccer team, the varsity soccer team in college. And, and I'm sorry, in high school. And wow. um, I got to be the, uh, I got to be the captain. I remember which kind of surprised what? me because I thought I was like more, I, I think there were two, one, one of the captains. Yeah, I thought of myself as, you know, I wasn't, I was defense. I, um, you know, wasn't like, you know, the, the player who people focus on to scored all the goals or anything. And I thought I was a generally kind of quiet person, yeah. but um, I was voted to be captain. And uh, I, I think it just came from maybe being a kind of a steady and calm person, maybe, okay. that, you know, that people liked uh, for, for that. So, there was that and then i went in um to uh, i also helped run national honor society at high school and i went to college and i 
got to run film society there and build that up to like having bigger events and having more people get together and having um, uh, even directors from the school come back and talk about their movies. And um, it was just fun seeing what I could do with it. And once I graduated, um, I've always worked before I worked on my own, I always worked in a small business environment where everyone knew each other and yeah. everyone had to be on point. And uh, I've never had an opportunity and I'm glad for this to kind of just, you know, melt into the crowd mm-hmm. and just kind of, you know, do my thing and no one really knew me and I didn't know them and all that. Yeah. Um, and then I, you know, I've, I've led a f- photographer organization up here, a chapter of ASMP, it's American Society of Media Photographers. Yeah. And that was very similar to what I did in uh, college with the, with the Film Society. Okay. You know, you have this organization, you meet generally week, uh, monthly, and it was just like, who can we bring in? You know, who can we get to talk? And we, mm. over the years I was there, we got lots of really marquee, like national, international photographers to come and speak to our chapter and, you know, got everyone together. And, um, the social aspect was huge, uh, always has been. And, you know, uh, we made it work through the pandemic. Um, and then I was able to rotate out after six years of doing that, but I've always kind of had that drive to bring people together and, um, help each other. Uh, I mean, all the people in that organization, you could kind of look at each other as competition, Yeah, but, um, I, I really don't. I look at them more as coworkers and people that can help one another. And, and that's the way it, it has been in the past. People could kind of be protective of how they light and how they bid and all that. But I do think a lot of that's falling away these days. Okay. People are just more open, you know, and, and open to helping one another. And, um, and, and that, that's, a, I was very happy to help maybe foster that to some degree in, in the, you know, community I was able to foster through that, um, through that chapter. Um, you, you mentioned that there's a stereotype for photographers, like they take a lot of pictures, right? But I feel like people don't want to miss key moments, right? Do, are you not worried about that? Um, you mean if I don't photograph like, sir, I mean, I think of it personally, you know, I do want to photograph my daughters and I do uh, photograph them, but I don't have, you know, I'm not all the time taking the picture and I'm okay. I'm okay if I don't take a picture of something that's um, special. If I actually, because the thing is when you, when you have the camera, you do separate yourself from the yeah. scene a yeah. bit. And so if it's something that I sit back and I just really enjoy and soak in, I'm okay with that. And what I also do is I keep a little journal for the girls, which at some point I'll share with them. And if I just sit down and write that day, like thoughts that were, you know, I was having through the day or a special moment, it's a different way to kind of keep it than just having the image. And, and I kind of, I like different media, different advantages and disadvantages. Um, but it is wonderful having images because they do bring back memories, same as the journal yeah. entry would. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I don't, uh, I, I'm pretty mindful of like how the camera separates me from them, you know, if, if I start to just work that nonstop. So I like to um, not be doing it um, obsessively and uh, and then just grabbing the images that I can. A lot of the photos I use are just off, off the phone. 
you know, because it's there. And um, and uh, earlier when they were younger, I shot a lot more with my larger cameras. But um, but now I'm shooting a little bit more with the phone, and uh, and, and I'm overall happy with the uh, the balance. Okay. Um, let's go to memories. You talk about memories. Can you share your favorite childhood memory? And and this question has like two aspects in terms of okay, as a human being, we we have favorite memories. But you, as a photo uh, photographers, you probably have the best memory of a shooting of a picture. Yeah. I don't know if you want to talk about that. So you, you might be surprised. That, I mean, like. I, I in high school I wasn't really doing photography. Um, okay. In college I started to. Um, okay. But for me, like a childhood memory is, you know, well, it's often it's being around family and um, and the thing that I really enjoyed. We grew up in Pennsylvania and we heated our home mostly with wood. And I got to go out into the woods various points throughout the year and take down trees, cut them up, and eventually chop them with my brothers and my dad. And they were just, it was just a fun, fun, uh, and fulfilling kind of activity because we knew it would be heating the home with it, but we also got to spend the day together, um, just kind of having a good time together. And also, as we grew older, it was nice to. Um, be able to contribute more, you know, we're, we were able to do more and dad was able to take it a bit easier on the heavy lifting stuff. And, and that was a nice way to kind of be growing up, um, seeing the, the potential you had, uh, even just as a young man, just for, you know, your, your strength building and your, your, um, your usefulness, (laughs) you know, so that's, that's something I remember fondly. Um, let's talk about your, you talk about brothers, um, your family. Can you talk about your household dynamic? I mean, brothers, let's try to go back in terms when you grew up, what yeah. was like, and you think you, you just mentioned you're from Pennsylvania Yeah. and uh, can you talk to that? So I mean, growing up, we had, um, it was more of like a it was like a guy's thing you know like it was it was three brothers and my mom and dad a lot of male cats um (laughs) my so now i'm living but my mom's life in reverse in a way because i've got two daughters you know a female my wife (laughs) so it's funny because i grew up in a very kind of masculine not not overly like but like it was all boys and it was wrestling all the time and you know literally putting heads through walls that kind of stuff and then i have you know two daughters now and i think in a way i'm blending the two because i feel like i'm raising them like sons um (laughs) i think it's natural right yeah we we wrestle all the time you know like there's crude humor and maybe more than i can even bear so i was just and my wife looks at me when that happens it's like i know it's me but um anyway uh, so it's kind of funny. There's there's a continuity, but now you know the um, uh, I'm in this much more female world. Female world, and, uh, yeah. And, yeah. And having no clue, like I didn't have a sister. You know, someone that could. I always think I always think guys with sisters are a little more um, in tune or have a clue 
about yeah. the other about the other sex. Sorry. Oh, makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I think I think you you you. And it's a it's a big way to say it, and I, I appreciate the way you 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 picture it to us because yes, you grew up with two brothers, your dad and mom, right? So now you the only male, two daughters, your wife and your mother-in-law. <laughs> So and, and that's that's probably the the case it is, and I think you're doing a good job as a father because you can balance both sides and then make sure they understand the importance. So of like having a, a father or more um, a male male figure in the house, and so can we talk about what are the most what are the three challenging aspect event in your life, and how did they challenge you? Yeah. Uh, so the first would be, we talked about a bit there, like at 25 losing my job, but in the yeah. end, it really being the start to all my freelancing and, you know, what I've uh, been able to do in the, the subsequent almost 18 years. Um, I will say, you know, as much as we're always looking for people to inspire us and, you know, be our mentor and all that. Um, I think it's nice to meet people along the way in your life that say, you know, you're not very good at this or, you know, you can't do this. Yeah. And to kind of take that in and say, you know, you're wrong and and then, you know, go for it. Uh, yeah. You know, you don't want everyone to be negative in your life or to, to see you as not how you picture yourself, but it is helpful sometimes to have someone saying, eh, you know, not you. It's like, oh yeah, no, it's me. You know, I can do it. So <laughs> I, I, I am appreciative for that. Um, what happened there on, on many levels. Um, and um, beyond that, in uh, about 10 years later, when I was, um, when I was 33, my dad had been sick for a few years with leukemia. And at that point, um, he died in 2013. And um, thank you. Um, so my, uh, one of my brothers and I were able to like do a blood cell donation, trying to help with his, um, uh, bone marrow transplant. And, you know, it, it, it came close to working, but it didn't uh, quite work out. Um, and he was the one who gave me his camera when I started to get interested in photography. He supported mm. what I was doing throughout. He liked, you know, the angle I was taking on it initially. You know, I didn't, uh, I kind of sat down for that first month and was just kind of gathering contacts and doing stuff. And and he, he thought that that was, uh, he wasn't saying get out there and, you know, he supported uh, kind of the, the tack I was taking when I was starting my career. And he was kind of thrilled throughout to see, you know, what I was doing. Um, so um, it was tough to, tough to lose him as it's tough to lose any parent. Um, yeah. But I did see a lot in how he lived his life. He was a teacher. I saw a lot at his funeral of all these people coming back from throughout his life who he had helped and affected in positive ways. And um, it helped me think about, you know, I guess my own funeral in a way, you know, and hoping, yep. hoping that I could have a similar kind of, you know, uh, quality of life and a similar impact on people. And, and I will say like when you lose a parent, um, it becomes apparent. Yeah. <laughs> no no yeah. pun intended. 
that we're all here for only so much time, really short time and do the things you want to do and help people along the way. And that's really, it it gives you a focus. Same as like when you have a kid, it gives you a focus to, there's only so much time and you have to take advantage of it. So, um, you know, that, that was a, a challenge for sure. Um, but I, you know, I, I feel like, um, it's, it's helped me be more of the person that I am today that I wouldn't be. I don't think if, if, you know, I hadn't lost him, not, okay. to, say that, not to say that I was, you know, <laughs> I'm rooting for it, but, yeah. um, uh, it's helped me appreciate the time we do have. So, and then the last one was pr- pretty much the challenge that we all had, uh, was the pandemic. Um, yeah. uh, <laughs> like for me as a freelancer, I, I was fortunate, you know, I've always kind of, like I was saying, been able to support myself, but that came and, um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm starting to, yeah, most of the income I got in 2020 was income I made in 2019 that I was just still collecting, like jobs went to zero, um, yeah. and the kids were home. Um, so I had to kind of take a break from photography essentially because I was just full-time childcare while my wife held down, you know, her job. And, um, it, it turned out, um, well in a way, cause in that break, I was able to think more about my photography and I feel like I'm on a more, um, kind of personal and meaningful, um, yeah. uh, kind of journey or path with it now. And, um, I also just, did a lot more cooking. Okay. Uh, I did, I would take the kids out to a playground every day with another group of, you know, with a bunch of dads who we all became pretty close. Cause we're all doing kind of a, a similar the thing. Same, there. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of like beautiful things came out of that really challenging time. And, and now I'm in this interesting phase where I'm getting busy again, which is great. And then I'm also trying to maintain, keep going the, um, the personal stuff that I started doing, which was getting, uh, you know, a lot of, um, kind of good reviews and people were liking it. So I want to try and strike that balance more than I did in 2019 and before when it really was mostly just working for clients and that's fine. You got to make a living, but you want to be able to express yourself too and say the things that are meaningful to you. And I feel like the pandemic gave me a chance to kind of reset a little bit. Uh, along those lines, yeah, and, and I think and it was for everybody where like this is unprecedented, where nobody had experienced this before, and then we have to thrive, make decision, and focus, and go forward. Um, let's talk about what is what is the best compliment you ever gotten? Mm. I, I was. I, I, I'm never sure. I'm usually kind of uh, hesitant with superlatives, but um, I, I did this recent project of free library portraits. At, yeah. Uh, six Dorchester libraries called Beautiful Dot. And a lot of people said very kind things as I did that. And things like, you know, they'd never, you know, had professional portraits before and now they were getting them and how much that meant to them. And one grandma, you know, really, I was about to photograph her and her daughter and her grandson. And she just kind of stopped the whole thing and just kind of really locked eyes with me and just talked about how much this meant and how, you know, good it was for the community, what I was doing. And, And that really 
those those really hit home. Just uh, the recent ones are sticking in, yeah. in my mind. Um, uh, so uh, yeah, the, the, those were some very nice compliments that I, I got recently. And, and otherwise, I can't think of a specific moment, but uh, I, I am happy to know that you know my dad and uh, my mom are you know uh, I know they're proud of me and um, and and that does make me happy no that's that's very important so let's go to what is the so okay what can I ask you this can do you have something you wish you knew before you started your career <laughs> Let me put it um, this way. <laughs> yeah, you never. Um, yeah, when you're when I was younger, I'd be thinking it's kind of the mountains beyond mountains thing. Yeah. You think like, oh, once I get this down, it's all gonna make sense. <laughs> once I once I bid enough jobs, I'll just know what to do each time, and it will make sense. Yeah. And the thing is, first of all, that doesn't happen. And and second, you don't want that to happen. Because the minute that you kind of know what everything's going to be, how everything's going to work out, how everything works, yeah, you're going to be bored out of your mind. Um, so I would be telling myself, like, you know, you're never going to, you can have different levels of looking like you have it figured out, but you never quite do have it all figured out, you know, and yeah. it's impossible and you don't want that anyway, even though we kind of strive for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. So that's, that's, that's something that pops to mind from that question. Um, so is there an advice you can share with somebody who's studying their photography career right now? So I think um, it's kind of for photography, but it's also for lots of things. Okay. Uh, I, for me, what worked is really settling down at one place. Mm. Uh, get to know it. Subscribe, actually subscribe to newspapers, local newspapers from the place. Read them every day. Um, learn who the movers and shakers are. Go out to the neighborhood associations. Uh, volunteer, you know. And once you get a, enough of a hang of issues, become an activist and try and improve your local community. And um, I've lived in Dorchester since 2005. Okay. Um, which which keeps me still a relative newbie for plenty of people in their minds. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you'll, you're never unless if you were born here. You know, like, um, and that's fine. I kind of like having the outside eye, you know, yeah. perspective on some things. But I find it tremendously gratifying to be part of a community to help people in it the best I can, but also to be helped by it. When I was starting out, uh, people in Dorchester really who had known me kind of rallied around and yeah. started lending me jobs and helping. I, I feel like a lot of things can be too. Um, these days it's way too easy to kind of be connected with people, but you're not, you know? Mm. And um, the only way in my opinion, it, like the online stuff works, but to me it works best when it's actually like backed up by your real relationship too with a person. And then you're connected with them and, it's not like you've, you know, never met them and, you know, um, but your friends. Uh, so for me, then being part of the community, I have 
stories I want to tell in it. it. It gives me, you know, fuel for my photography. Um, and, uh, and it gives me satisfaction and, you know, trying in some, whatever ways I'm capable to improve, um, the community and, um, and celebrate it and just be part of it. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know the exact studies, but I think it's pretty much confirmed. Like, you know, we're social animals and yeah. we need to be with each other. That's part of why the pandemic was so hard um, for lots of us is the isolation. And so anyway, uh, I say, you know, settle in someplace and really, you know, really uh, soak it up and improve it um, the best you can. Uh, obviously it doesn't work for everyone. Like some photographers are itinerant travelers and, yeah. and that wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't be for them. But overall, this worked for me, and I also think it works for um, people in a, in a lot of fields, uh, you know, uh, a lot of professions, um, or just in general. It's, I think it's good to um, have have roots and and um, participate um, in in your community. And well said, well said. So we're getting close to our break. We're going to take a break and then come back with Mike Witter. Mike is a photographer in Dorchester. Let's go on break now. What comes before making a smart decision? Choices. A smart choice is the best option, which is who we are. That's why our clients expect more from us and in return, get more in everything we do. We understand the problem. That's why we thrive for excellence. We don't just create a winning culture. We aspire to be a smart choice, a voice for solutions. We believe in integrity, professionalism, and teamwork. Our passion is to bring results from our clients by working harder, smarter, and faster. As a team, we always deliver because we recognize your needs. Choosing smart influences us to be the best version of ourselves. That makes us different than other companies. It makes us confident in achieving our goals. It makes us who we are. And it makes us DFM, the smart choice. Yeah, fam, this is Eddie Dasius with um, Mike Witter. So we're very excited to have him. So this is our second part. We have some more questions for Mike. So, Mike, um, one thing I, I realize is when when you start your own business, and some people may they may have mentors, they have uh, people in their circle who did the same thing. But most of us are the only one doing it. We are the pioneers in our maybe family and a circle. Can you take us back to your first job? And how did you, like, take us to the process. Get the job. How did you negotiate your pay? And what was the job about? <clears throat> uh, my first job, I worked at a... Um uh, a one hour photo lab slash frame shop. Um, yeah. and I, I think I came in honestly a, a little bit snooty, you know, um, <laughs> I it, looking down my nose, maybe a bit at it, honestly. And yeah. I learned that that was, I learned so much on that job. I got the, the boss who hired me is, um, a wonderful friend here in Boston still. Um, and I just learned so much about people and customer service and seeing how he interacted with people. 
yeah. uh, seeing his general outlook on life was just, you know, so rewarding. Um, and negotiating the pay, I mean, I was fresh out of college and um, I was just grabbing a job before the, uh, the Christmas crush of 2002, I believe. And um, negotiating wasn't my forte then. I think I took whatever was uh, offered to me. (laughs) Um, But then I I was working the counter. Then I got to like work back and become the lab manager. And and there I think I started to get a little more like, okay, this is what I'm worth, which is something we all have to figure out as freelancers continually. Um, And actually at that job, I did meet... um, uh, uh, my mentor in uh, being a working photographer uh, and that was uh, JD Sloan he was coming through dropping off rolls of film okay. um, and uh, once he found out that I had you know lost my job the subsequent job yeah um, he uh, uh, took me out a few times had me just kind of watch him work had me help him uh, took me out to just show me photo books took me out just to talk um, life photography and everything and um, and I I learned a lot from him of just what it is to be a photographer. Um, yeah. And uh, so anyway, like taking that job, which I didn't really know what I was doing or thought it wasn't exactly for me, that turned out to really give me a strong footing. And once again, I think what I, where I've landed and who I've become. And so it's kind of a funny thing, I think, in life that there's a lot of things that we um, pursue, yeah, charge, chase, yeah, and they're probably not the best things for us to actually get. Mm. <laughs> and then there's a lot of things that we run away from and think poorly on or don't want to yeah. do, and it's actually the best that we actually <laughs> have to end up dealing with them or do them and yeah. then realize, you know, like we don't have the perfect path in our mind. We we have to kind of, you know, experiment in experiment. the world and see what happens. Uh, so Flexible. I always think of that. Yeah. Like you don't have what <laughs> you, despite what you think, you might not know what's best for you all the time. Sometimes someone else might know, or life might just throw you something your way, which yeah. turns out to be better in the end, you know? So it's okay if you don't kind of hit that thing that you're going for. And it's okay if that thing that you're running away from catches up to you. And now you see what, what happens you know, uh, when that does happen. Um, let's, let's talk about your mentors and can you, so I know you just mentioned one here. So is there anyone who has been like your most important mentors in your life? Yeah. I mean, I would, uh, uh, my dad was a wonderful one. I think he taught me a good deal about like, it was a healthy example of, um, you know, uh, what a man could be, um, mm. you know, strong, but not aggressive. And, yeah. you know, all the things that can get caught up in what, you know, people would call masculine or whatever toxic mas- masculinity these days. Like yeah. he was, he was a, he was a really, um, good person and good teacher. Um, like he was a teacher and was a profession. Um, and there was a lot of patience and love and understanding in him. And then my boss at the camera store, Doug, similar, just a a man comfortable in his skin, knowing who he was, um, kind and funny 
um, and then JD, um, my photographer mentor, who I met through Stone Photo. Um, and once again, like he taught me so much in photography, but he also taught me like he had some tremendous painful events in his life. Mm. Um, and he didn't, you know, curl up and withdraw. He kept on getting back out there and looking to, you know, uh, be part of life, be with people, connect with people, which, uh, be present and connecting in presence are two very important things for a photographer when you're making your work. And so I always looked at him in a bit of awe of how he, um, you know, was able to absorb that pain and turn it into something, you know, not get crushed by it, but use it to, um, for, for some positive positive, um, good in the world. And all three of those guys, um, were more than comfortable saying, I love you. You know, once again, I feel like they're just great examples of, you know, uh, men for me to, to emulate. Um, uh, well said, well said. So let's, let's go about, um, this question. This question for me is, um, is important for people to get where they, they will. Okay. So when did you realize you made it? Like the reason I like to ask this question about like uh, imposter syndrome. So sometimes we got ourselves in a situation we're not comfortable. We we're not our like we're not confident, you know. So, but is there a moment when you said, "Oh, I got this now"? So now, like uh, Mike Wheeler just arrived, you know. So yeah. can you share a moment like that? I kind of believe this happens and I kind of believe it isn't true okay. either at the same time. <laughs> um, I, I think only recently I really start, I'm starting to get kind of a, a confidence in what I'm doing with photography and an understanding of what I'm doing in photography. Yeah. Um, and uh and that helps. It, 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 uh, my cousin became a singer, and I think he had mentioned you need to have enough ego to mm. get onto the stage, you know. But it, it has to be. It can't. That can't be the only thing you're up there for. Whatever you know, like you have to have enough confidence. You have something to say, um, but you also can't just then get completely wrapped up in yourself and you know just think you're the you know best thing since you know sliced bread or whatever it is um so it's it, there's a balance and you know ego confidence uh and then you know what you do with those versus you know <laughs> maybe getting caught up in it in a way that some people do where yeah. they just think they're amazing actually i think the people that are overly confident are the ones that are the least confident and i think um can, can you repeat that louder <laughs> i think people that are project the most confidence are often the most insecure people. Mm. Um, and I think you had mentioned of, uh, you know, a question for you to ask, uh, um, earlier, you know, in the form of like something yeah. that I wish you asked, there's a, there's a, um, something, a 
a podcast that I listen to called The Messy Truth, which is more fine art photographers. Okay. And, and the host always asks, like, you know, what do you do with self-doubt? And I always think it's framed as this way of, it's always framed as this, like, thing to get over and um, just deal with. Unfortunately, we all have to deal with it. And my response would be, um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have self-doubt <laughs> to mm. a degree, to a degree. Okay. It, it, it keeps you honest. Wow. It keeps you trying to do your best work, mm. you know? And if you didn't have it, you yes. would be a, you would be a detestable Did. person, you know? Um, Mike, 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 I'll stop yeah. you on this because what you said make a lot of sense. Please take your time, dive deep because this is true, and I want you to please elaborate on that. Yeah. Um, a, a doubt can be a good thing. Okay. Um, in in like all things, you know to a degree to, to have yeah. some, you can't be, you can't be, you know, um, crippled by it. But if you don't have doubt, um, you, a mix of doubt and confidence, mm. I, I find is, is, is necessary <laughs> and realistic, yeah. realistic in life, you know, but there is, I mean, like when you see someone who, you know, like whatever it is, a scientist, a comedian, a musician, a professor, but you can just sense it. You know that that person started out doing this. They were probably awful, unless if they were a prodigy, um, but they stuck with it. And now they have this amazing blend of yeah. an amazing knowledge and experience well to draw from but they also can relate to what it was like without having that. And I always think of that like with, with, with a teacher, you know, the best teachers, whatever it is, whether they're a professional teacher or just, you know, someone in life um, who can, can really communicate well to others and, 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 and teach essentially, they know something inside and out, but they also can relate to what it is being a student or just starting out with it. And, they can throw these, you know, lifelines or build these bridges to get people from the beginning to the middle to, you know, headed towards some level of excellency in their own life. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. The teachers that know stuff inside and out, but then all they can do is like sit on that island of knowledge and just kind of scream <laughs> and none of it makes sense because like all their words are. You know, they're not making it make sense to someone who doesn't already live wow. on the island, you know? Yeah. So. Um, I share, and I'm, I'm going to share one 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 story with me where what you said makes perfect sense. So I coach soccer. I'm a soccer I player. I used, yeah, to yeah. Be, yeah, I, I used to play soccer. I, I was a forward. But um, oh, for the I last... I like to disappoint yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go but, ahead. Uh, yeah, so, but... Um, I always capitalize on my opportunities. That's something I'm probably going to get you in trouble too. But what I'm saying is coaching soccer, um, unfortunately, I have my license. I'm a licensed coach. I have a D license from the U.S. The problem I have was 
there are some there's a guy I know is the varsity head coach. But um I check his record. He never coached a third team. Like a third team means freshman. Where some people they are trying out soccer. They cannot play. Like they don't know better. And then you still have to work the same amount of time, which is like probably two hours with everybody else and then get them to believe and get them to play a sport. They never been part of it and they just new to it. <laughs> Sitting down as a varsity head coach where you're doing a lot of recruiting, like you're picking, you're picking up your players. That means you're taking the best players you have some success, but you never, you just sit on that island. Because my result would be different than your result. Because instead of implementing a strategy or game plan, I'm working on individual development. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or to block, or to pass, check your shoulders, you know, stay in front of the boy, all these things. But you, you just creating different things because your level is different and not having that understanding where you say, Oh, let me support him because he's in the most different um, situation. And the result will be different for either team where I probably going to lose a lot of games. You probably winning a lot of games, but at the end of the day, we're trying to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Where, uh, going back to what you were saying, there are some people, they sit on that island, but they can't relate to people that's trying to make it for the first time. Yeah. I mean, like, you you guys are part of a, there's a continuity to what you do, right? You kind of yeah. get people going on it. And then he works with them once they're already, you know, like, yeah, I like to play On the peak, and, yeah. Uh in each, each phase has its own challenges, rewards, um, and maybe, you know, uh, different personalities and skill sets are best used in, you know, um, those two phases. Yeah. Right. Like maybe, you know, he can, once the spark is started, he can, you know, keep it going, but he's not the great greatest at starting the spark kind of thing. Who, 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 uh, yeah, it, it's like it's yeah. I, I'm not gonna say his job is better or is is less challenge, but mm-hmm. the same way, it shouldn't. It should be understanding me. Like for me, I coach um, Milton Academy mm-hmm. soccer. Right, there's this opportunity where if you if you make varsity, there's a lot of challenging you not you can't get because. Varsity is like the peak of the mountain. <laughs> if you get there, you like you confident or everybody, but everybody at the bottom think they should be on varsity level, <laughs> and you have to deal with people who the reality, the ego you were talking about, like they think they're that confident, and then they're not, and you kind of have to help them check with reality where you need to work harder. And I have some people on my team, they never play club. And I will guarantee you, 
80% or 85% of people, like varsity players, they play club. They play. They have a per, personal trainer. But the thirds, they just got to soccer. They might play club in few years, but at this moment of their, their life, they can't. They're not there yet. Some people, hockey is their primary sport. Baseball, and then they're just doing soccer because their friends um, um they're trying to make friends. So that's like kind of take me to what you were saying. And my question would be, how important for you to be grounded and understanding who you are and focus on, on your strength and experience? So much comes from that, I think. Um, and for, for anyone, we're all figuring ourselves out. But a bit of, as I was talking about earlier, when when you meet someone who um, has that healthy confidence, has that self-awareness and knowledge, I think you can recognize it pretty quickly. They don't need to prove anything to anyone. You know, they're, they're just, there's just a level of comfort that comes from that. And then I think a lot of things can spring from that. Yeah. They, they can be an extremely kind person. They can be an extremely, like, um, they could compete if they have to, but mm. they, they don't sit there and make everything a competition. They like, um, honestly, it's probably one of my favorite traits to see in someone is that, you know, they've mastered something, they've mastered themselves. And then now they're free to focus on, okay, yeah, this, this internal thing is mm. maybe we never figured out entirely, but I have it under control. Mm. Now I'm going to look out from me externally to what I can do, you know, with and for other people. And what can I do with what I know with and for other people? And you're not sitting there wrapped up in your own stuff all the time. You know, you're, you're, you're with, you're with others and, and helping them. Um, because I, I guess that's, we're all doing that, right? Like yeah. figuring ourselves out, but then also figuring out our place in the world. It's all connected. But I think, you know, when, when you're, uh, when you're sorted out on the inside, at least relatively decently well, then you're free to explore the external in a more, um, kind of, uh, less egotistical way and more productive way, I think. Wow. That was, that was great, Mike. Um, let's go to Hot Topic. I don't know if you're ready for Hot Topic. Hot Topic <laughs> is a, uh, it's a fun segment where we talk about important topic, question related to your career, question uh, our audience, they they won't have a chance to ask you. Let's go with Hot Topic with Mike Wheeler. Mike Wheeler and we're gonna ask him some questions about um this is hot topic segment. So my question for Mike is as a um, photographer, what is an angle and how important is it? (laughs) An angle. Yeah. So for me an angle is um you shoot for a while and you start to figure out what you're doing. Um, and I mean that in the sense of what first you're learning, like the ins and outs of just simply, you know, visually telling stories and ways to make photos impactful. 
But after a while, you shoot long enough and you start to see themes in your work and interests in your work. And you start to figure out just what you're, you know, what you're best at and what you can do most effectively with the camera. Yeah. So to me, and I'm almost 18 years in mm. my, in my freelance career. And really, I feel like only in the last maybe three, four years have I started to kind of <laughs> really kind of start to get a feel for my angle. Um, wow. You know, like what, what I want to do with it and what I can do with it. Um, no, no, that was great, great to hear. So let, let's go with this question. What is the future hold for you? Uh, I see myself being in Boston, being in Dorchester, um, and balancing photography with my family life. Um, and uh, looking to tell stories that I feel are very important um, in my personal work while I go. Yeah. And hoping to be the um, kind of the type of person that I was describing earlier um, in, you know, my my dad and Doug at Stone Photo, the store manager, and JD, my freelance mentor, being that type of person and, and even more so that type of man, I think. Um, okay. So, uh, that's uh, continuing on the, the path that I'm on, uh, but seeing what, what can come next from the work, uh, and, and being, you know, uh, being okay with maybe I'm not going to like take this job, that job. Maybe I'm not going to, you know, like do this really intense photography thing because I want to, um, I do want to have a personal life uh, with my kids um, um. and my wife. Uh, and once again, kind of a stereotypical photographer can be the type of like, you know, the works there and just take it, take it, take it. And I want to find a balance there. Where it's like, I, um, I, I, I don't want to have to take every job that comes my way because I, I, uh, I do want to be home and, I, uh, and I'm okay with that, you know, uh, maybe I, maybe I won't take like the, you know, uh, certain work that could kind of, you know, push me further professionally in some ways, but then also limit me in my personal life. So that's a, being a freelancer is always challenging finding the right balance and you never quite do. Um, but I am trying to be better on the personal front when you're starting out, you kind of have to just throw everything at it. And, yeah. and luckily enough, I started out when I was, um, just dating my wife and no kids and, uh, you know, and, and that, that was permissible. Yeah. But there comes a point where, you know, like you, it's not that you slow down, but you just get more intentional. Yeah. And uh, uh, Mike, thank you for this opportunity because to hear about your story and we had a great time with you. So we, we get in to the end to our um, episode. So is there, is there a question you wish I asked you today? I think oh, we talked about the self, yeah, they talked about the self-doubt <laughs> thing. That, that, yeah. that to me is, you know, like in a lot of things in life are like that. Like you can, everything is two-sided. I feel yeah, <laughs> pretty much everything, you know, and, um, and just that, that framework of the way I've always heard the question asked on that podcast of this, like, Oh man, how do you deal with that? Oh, don't you just wish it wasn't there? 
and just flipping it around. Like, can you imagine if it wasn't there? You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, <sense>. yeah. <laughs> so what is your, what, which of your accomplishment are you the proudest? That's, that should be your last question, Mike. Yeah. Uh, being married for pushing 12 years now. Wow. Um, my, my wife has supported my work, um, put up with my work. Uh, and she's a really lovely person and I'm lucky to, you know, have her in my life. So, um, I would say my marriage. Oh, wow. Well said. Well said. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. We really appreciate it. Um, last word for you. I'd like to say thank you very much for having me, Eddie. I really appreciate it. It was lots of fun. Uh, this is Eddie Dasius with Divine Puppet Podcast. We had um, Mike Witter with us. Um, he's a photographer. You can reach him. Um, we're going to plug his information. If you're in Boston, Dorchester area, you can bump into him and ask him questions. You're going to hear this episode. This episode is available on all major platforms on YouTube, on www.dppodcast.com. And we thank our sponsor, that's his facility management and this day design. Uh, Mike, thank you for the time. We appreciate it. Um, talk to you soon. All right, Eddie. Thank you. All right.